my goodness me. Here it is, predictable, well choreographed, perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to the end of season relegation battle of episode 10 of Grassroots. In this penalty try of an episode, we welcome back the legendary referee Fiona Brunt, who officiates over a surprisingly interesting celebrity knock-on knock-off. We have a pitch-side interview with the Cheltenham Tigers, discuss the end-of-season fights for promotion and survival, and also the joys of ruining other teams' parties. We also finally extract a chess says from her busy, crazy life for a catch-up. 22 months out with a triple B operation. She runs in, tries for fun. I'm Goose. I'm Lou. I'm Molly. I'm Joyce. And I'm Jodie. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. Absolutely no mitigation. She's gone directly <laughs> head on head with the mouth and bit Frankie Square in the face. Yes. Fiona, would that be a red card in your eyes? It's sounding highly reckless and always dangerous. So it's ticking a lot of boxes. I, I'm back you up on the red card. Sounds like a move Jodie would pull. <laughs> um, the only question is Luna is four kilograms and Frankie is 29. But before we start, Matt. Can we ask Fiona, Ref Fiona, Lord of the Refs, about Freddie Stewart's uh, red card? Yes. yes. I'm glad you said that. That's going to be my first question. Before we start, actually, Fiona, I'm guessing now, now that you're under the gainful employee of the RFU, that you have to play the party line, do you? So do you have to speak in euphemisms? So if you use a particular code word like Cronenberg, it means I don't agree with the red card, perhaps, or something like that. You can't use Cronenberg, Batty. We've already got Cronenberg. We can't. That'll get really confusing. (laughs) (laughs) It will. It's more the fact I'm a referee and publicly saying anything against a fellow referee is, is very much frowned on and I would never do it. So let's just say that perhaps the referee was applying the law and maybe people are unhappy with how the law is currently written. That's the most diplomatic thing I've ever heard in my life. I did my best. (laughs) (laughs) Say how you really feel, Fiona. Cut it out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say how I feel, and I feel pretty angry. I think, look, let's caveat that with, I think Ireland would ultimately have won, right? So did it affect the, the end result? No, being honest. Did it have an impact on the game that maybe took away what was at that point an amazing spectacle? I'd say yes. So my question is this, I'm doing my refing qualification, so I'm a keen beam. Technically, the player looked like he was going to kick the ball. Is there no, nothing in the laws that mitigates the fact that Freddie Stewart appeared, and I'm not being biased, I'm just asking, appeared to be trying to block the kick rather than to go for that? And equally, the island player did dip his body height. So in the new laws, that might mitigate when they tell us what's going to happen with the person that's that's got the ball. But ultimately, it did appear that he was going to kick the ball. I think the situation as it was, you're either looking at it being no foul play and therefore play on or a red card. And the reason why that is, is because the way that Yako saw it, was that the action was a shoulder charge. Now, a shoulder charge is highly reckless, highly dangerous, and it's an always illegal action. So when you talk about mitigation, mitigation applies where it's not necessarily always an illegal action. So tackles are not always illegal. If if there's a wrap, it's a tackle. It's not always an illegal act. 
but a shoulder charge is always an illegal act. And generally speaking, where an act is always illegal, there actually is no such thing as mitigation. So either the referee on the day was going to see it as what used to be known as a rugby incident, what we now refer to as no foul play, or it was foul play and therefore he had no option. It, it was a red card. As a referee, I know that you always have situations where you go, I am always going to lose here. So if he hadn't sent Freddie off, Ireland would have felt that that was absurd and ridiculous and he'd have got probably as much flack as he's getting from England fans now, from the Ireland fans. So I honestly, I genuinely feel for the guy. Um, that's not a nice situation for a referee to be put in. And you've got to go, well, you know, someone summed it up really nicely. I think it was, it was the podcast, wasn't it? Um, you know, we only blow our whistle when a player has made a mistake. It's a great phrase. I really like it because it's it's entirely true. You know, we don't blow our whistles when players don't make mistakes. You've got to look at the player first. And I'm an England fan. I'd have rather he'd been on the pitch, obviously. <laughs> um, I can't fully criticise Yako for that decision. He was in a tough spot and it's a very difficult job, which I do understand. And certainly I'm not refereeing Ireland, England at the Aviva, so... Well, what's done is done. Hopefully it'll... Well, I think all of these things, whilst it's frustrating in the moment, Mm. they do sometimes spark a a line of dialogue, you know, some investigation or some, at least some some healthy criticism of of a decision that will hopefully lead to either a law clarification or from the player's perspective, you know, the more that they come across these incidents, the more they're informed for next time around, aren't they? But either way, it it was a real shame to see him go off like that. It was. How are you anyway? It's been a while. I think the, the girls saw you at the conference recently, didn't they? But how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm having a, a great season. I'm really enjoying what I've been able to do. I've been incredibly lucky with some some appointments that I've got. I've been really heavily involved in the in the women's premiership this season, which you know it, it's just been amazing to be able to watch how high class that rugby is from very close quarters. So uh, no, I've, I'm really good personally and, and I'm really enjoying the rugby and the refereeing that I'm getting to do. Some women's premiership and s- some stuff in the grassroots, which is a really nice balance that I've got and, and I'm incredibly lucky. So no, I'm I'm all good, thank you. Uh, at some point, yes. I need to get up to, to Crew and Nantwich and see if I can referee one of your games. That's Ooh, yeah. hopefully something that maybe we can, we can organise for next season and perhaps you just be very careful about which opposition do you want me to referee and I'll leave that up to you. So Fiona I'll leave it up to you whether you join us for the whole recording or not but obviously we asked you on to to do a knock on knock off. Jodie has had yet another medical emergency. Did So I missed the start of the conversation Jodie. Did they get to the bottom of what actually was wrong with you? No not yet no. So yeah I was in A&E on Wednesday night. My left hand side of my body went numb. A suspected stroke at the time, spent nine hours in there and it was a case of the doctors are on strike, we can't really help you right now, come back, we'll give you an MRI. So I had a CT scan when I was there, they took bloods, just said keep an eye on it, take it easy and went back in today for an MRI, got the results same day, amazing, because I was expecting to wait like a week or two for the results and they said no, there's nothing wrong with my brain. In fact, her exact words were, there's nothing on your brain, which is a Something I've heard before. So I've been referred to a neurologist and I've got to wait for that. They've ruled out anything major, so no strokes, no Alzheimer's or anything 
like that. So it's just a game of wait and see if I get another flare up, go back to my GP and let them know and run more tests. So I've got feeling back in my leg now, but I've still got a bit of numbness in my arm and I can't feel the side of my face at all. So see how it goes. Well, it's not a week on the podcast without me being to A&E. So I just had to... No, it's not. I didn't injure something, so I had to have something medical this time. Crikey. That's why all the doctors are going on strike, because they're fed up of seeing Jodie's face at A&E. <laughs> 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 I need to get some insurance, really. You did miss off part of that story for sake of the recording, though, Jodie, didn't you? Or did you also mm-hmm. do whilst you were in hospital? <laughs> in my defence, I was just like, do you know what? It's an opportunity. If you don't shoot your shot, or you can never ask the questions, the answer's always no. So eventually when I saw the medic at like midnight, I was a bit delirious, a bit off, and she was quite attractive. So after she was done with a thing and about to send me on my merry way, she just said, oh, any questions you'd like to ask me uh, that you need to know? I was like, I was thinking this whole time, just ask her. I was like, no, don't ask her, don't ask her, don't ask her. She's like, I was like no, it's fine, fine. No, no, ask me, ask me, what is it? What, what do you want to know? It's like, no, I can't, I can't. So she goes over to the curtain, closed the curtain because she thinks it's private and intimate. And I just say, uh, are you single? Do you want to go on a date? She's like, I'm married. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, no. So, yeah, didn't work. Don't shoot your shot with a medic who's uh, probably been working an 11-hour shift. They won't be very happy about it. Well, mm. nice try, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to get the silver lining from the whole medical debacle. So, yeah. If she'd looked at my medical record, she would have swerved me straight away. So that's probably why she said no. Not the <laughs> fact that I tried to come on to her in a workplace. And I was thinking, oh, I'm just one of those pervy old men, aren't I? I just oh, yes. I hated myself afterwards. But yeah, <laughs> classic Jody. Don't ask, don't get. Exactly. So I'm just trying to police the dogs. It's not going well. So I've now got Luna in some form of headlock. Don't contact the RSPCA. But if I don't do that, then we'll get no pod recording done. So Jody, I'm just going to go back to a previous recording where you said, please don't sleep with anyone on the team. It's not going to end well. And now you're prowling on medical professionals as a result of rugby injury. So you're using rugby to your advantage to pull people. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. I'm not purposely ended up in A&E so I can meet people. That's not like the plan I've got going. It's just I don't really get out much. And the medical people are the other people I see consistently in my life. So you get injured to pull people. I never see rugby people. Oh, good lord! Yeah, we have to go back to an idea we had a, a year or so ago, which is like had the pod as a, like a live dating agency for Jody. You know, so if anybody yeah. out there listening wants to take somebody with a, a half a paralysed face, the other half of her face is <laughs> <would> smashed up. <laughs> Another news with a with a gash on her head. <laughs> yeah, she hasn't been bowling in Stoke recently, so get in touch. Actually, Fiona, as a referee, have you ever been hit on by a player? Is a question. Oh, I thought you got to set me up with yes. Fiona then. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll sort of take that off air. <laughs> Sorry, did I see you say yes? Yes. <laughs> was it Jodie? Was it Jodie? <laughs> it wasn't Jodie. It wasn't Jodie. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but yes, yes, I have. Are you allowed to elaborate or was it like a premiership player that's like... Uh, no, no, no. It wasn't in the women's premiership. So it was, it, and it wasn't just once. But yeah, every so often. Sometimes I think that it's, it's just, them trying to flirt to get an edge i don't know so when they're yeah. saying balls in ref you know <laughs> where's the offside line Ma. <laughs> they're, ne- they're, never that, they're never that clever batty i'll be honest it's, it, 
<laughs> it's far more straight up than that. To be honest, I quite like it. It's uh, it, oh. it helps break up the game. <laughs> I don't mind it. I'll be honest, it probably does do them more good than anything else. It, it probably <laughs> does have a positive effect on how I referee them. So uh, there you go. I'd always give it a go if um, if you're being refereed by me. It, it won't it won't get you anywhere, but I'll enjoy it. So please bring it on. So there you go, listeners. If you're about to go in at the side, make sure you ask her out first. <laughs> <laughs> Batty, I've got a bit of a confession. Uh-oh. Again, I don't think many refs listen to this, but I openly confirm to people that I know that I will flirt with a ref to get them on side because... If you, yes, sir, anything you say, sir, obviously Fiona doesn't give a shit. She's like, Molly, shut up, get about 10. If you if you get them on side, a little bit of flirting does go a long way as captain, if you can just confirm those things. She's even started using, so this is why I think Molly's gone on her refs course, because she's now started using it as a line to get in when she's talking to the ref to say that, oh, I'm learning, <laughs> sir. How would you interpret this? Why did you blow up for this? And she's using it because she's like, oh, I'm on the ref's course. I'm learning. How would you? So it's just Molly's little tactic. She's not going on the ref's course to be a ref. It's just another flirting tactic on Molly's part. But meanwhile, I'm like, ref, you've just called the penalty for that is utter bullshit. So I think, right, how can I get in now? So I say, sir, I'm, you know, I've taken up a ref's course. And to be fair, it paid off at Didsbury. That ref he gave was still me his shit. <laughs> he gave me his number and said if you need any guidance Molly going forward then that's great and I was like yes okay absolutely and he was on my side for the whole game there you go it's a tactic it works flirt with the ref I'd flirt with Fiona she's a sexy beast thank you no worries um, <laughs> on that Fiona you're not happening to ref the uh, cup final at Twickenham for the women's intermediate cup are you so that's not been appointed yet Oh, we might be there if we win on Sunday. I, I, yeah, I saw you're um, playing Cheltenham Tigers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you give us the lowdown? <laughs> we can delete it from the pod. <laughs> are they any good? Yes, they are. Yeah, I've refereed them a, a few times. They're, um, and like, they're really good. And they're a good, they're a good bunch of girls as well. Oh, God. Maybe we should just forget Twickenham. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going there the day we'll just before anyway. Are you playing their first team? Seconds, no, we fuck. We definitely lose seconds. But I'm hopeful. But I just thought, you know, Fiona might get to ref us sooner than she'd like, and I'll be flirting with her on the on the (laughs) pitch at Twickenham. (laughs) What a forum for a flirt! That would be amazing. Uh, Cheltenham and Cheltenham North, different teams. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're different. That's a shame. There's a couple of nomads in the Cheltenham North team. Yeah, I thought that when I originally got drawn, and I was like, "Ooh, this could be fun." And then I realised yeah. it's a much Adriana. scarier team. <laughs> John is in it, yeah. So he's um, K. Yeah. Well, we might be flirting on the pitch sooner than you'd like, Fiona, if you get the appointment. We win the game on Sunday. So watch this space, podcast listeners. And Jodie's not even playing, so she'll be free to flirt with you all game. Oh, no. Just make sure, just <laughs> yeah. make sure you're not running touch because Jodie will be chasing you up and down the, the touchline. <laughs> Red card for Jodie. Yeah. Too much flirting. It's in the laws. Fiona's made it up. <laughs> That is a nice segue in, actually, Fiona, uh, whilst you're here. Yeah, so the topic of tonight's conversation was going to be chasing results towards the end of the season, uh, because we're in that phase of the season now where things are getting a little bit squeaky bum. And what we're seeing a little bit up here are teams that maybe should have got a few fixtures in earlier in the season when they were maybe 
you know, trying to rearrange to make sure their A team was back, or you know, perhaps the pitch was a bit frozen or something equally uh, bad like that. And now they're having to compact what should be a relatively nice run in into a couple of weeks, which is obviously going to cause a lot of stress and drama. And you're also seeing teams that are like at the bottom end fighting for to stay up in the leagues and at the top end, obviously trying to win leagues, which in women's rugby often means you have to go unbeaten or you really can't miss a beat. But are you starting to see that, Fiona, as a referee, starting to see teams getting a little bit itchy? Yeah, and certainly I'm. it's always sort of the back end of the season where you get the really close contests. And because the players are under pressure, the coaches are under pressure, you inevitably get more pressure from the sidelines, from the middle of the pitch, because, you know, every referee goes into a game knowing what the stakes are. You know, we, we do our prep, we often are aware that, you know, this particular team's been on a bit of a run of form and if they win this, they get into a semi-final or, um, you know, they have the opportunity to go top of the table and and stuff. So it absolutely, this sort of back end of the season and, and with the Women's Premiership, my season keeps going until the end of June. So um, I've got a really long sort of tail, which is where all the pressure seems to be. It really tests you as a referee. It's actually where, where the bit of the season that I enjoy the most, if I'm honest, just because it I quite like the pressure, I'm a bit weird like that. It means that you have to focus a lot of your energy and attention on when all the players are, you know, their emotions going up and up and up and up and up. Um, you have to physically make yourself calm down because you cannot make good decisions when you're under that sort of pressure unless you manage to keep yourself calm. Where you can tell that I'm under pressure is I stop speaking and my communication goes to the absolute minimum because actually my focus is on keeping myself calm so that I can make the right decisions because the more clouded your judgment is, a game can go to shit really easily. If a referee loses focus, you can tell from the off which teams are under some real real pressure um, and which players in particular are feeling the pressure. And they're the players that generally are going to give you the most grief throughout the game. So you try and keep as far away from them as you possibly can. And not that I would ever do this, but potentially if you have the opportunity to maybe card one of three players, perhaps you pick the one that you'd quite like not to be in your ear for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> not that I would ever do that. Um, Jody then. Yeah, flirting. Yeah, dirty flirting. Yeah. Yeah. Fiona, would you like to out for a drink? Fiona, I've never wanted anyone to hear. That looks really nice in these shorts. <laughs> Maybe Jodie should be captain, and then she can just violently flirt. When Fiona refs our game, oh God, I'm going to flirt because she just told us that she sways in favour of the flirting. So you've just basically put a nail in your own coffin there, Fiona. No, 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 no. She oh. said that she liked the flirting. She said it wouldn't sway any decisions, Jodie. And your style oh. of flirting, you will end up with a red card. You're a bit like the ring in Lord of the Rings, though. You can't look directly at it. Once you get caught in the, <laughs> you know, in the vortex in, under the spell, somebody who it will remain nameless from Exeter Saracens at the grassroots festival last <laughs> year. She came up to me and she said, "I can't look at Jodie. Every time she looks at me, my nipples feel funny." Like. <laughs> Quite a compliment, but yeah, That's great never power comes great responsibility. We're yeah. going to have to get that printed on a t-shirt for the next Nomads Festival. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Jodie, to be very clear, you're also the, the wrong gender for it to really work. So I'm sorry about oh, that. That doesn't matter one yeah, bit. Yeah, not with Jodie. <laughs> she, she, yeah. With powers I have like Jodie. people. That, that's she a challenge. trying to scream me the other week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you offered. Going, going back to the topic then. 
as a coach, I've got to say the end of the season was like the most stressful thing in the world when we were chasing promotion because literally like you were just constantly obsessing about availability. You know, you're making sure that people are, are responding. You've got players that are being a bit flaky that you know are needed for games all that sort of stuff. It's pretty stressful. The great thing about being mid-table, so Goose, Molly, Jody, be interested in your thoughts on this. The great thing about being mid-table is you can fuck shit up for both top and bottom. You can send teams down and you can stop teams going up depending on how well you play against them. So do you feel any pressure at all at this point? I didn't in the league. I do kind of like that sort of like mid-table, although we're not really mid-table anymore. We're fighting. There's like, wasn't there one point at the weekend between fourth and seventh in our league? So yeah, you've got a chance to, as Barry said, fuck a lot of shit up for a lot of people by either winning or making somebody lose by a load of points. feel a lot of pressure for this weekend. Every day that ticks by, that little bit of nervousness and excitement is all creeping in. And I keep thinking about Twickenham and I need to stop it because, yeah, desire for a result this weekend is just, it's becoming uncomfortable, I think is probably the <laughs> word to describe it because it's just, it's unimaginable how that would feel if we won and to go and play at Twickenham. So I'm just trying not to focus about it, but I've been thinking about it since, well, yeah, since the weekend. So it's building slowly. It's quite sweet being middle of the table because, like you said, so I think, are we currently fourth? Fourth, one point behind Manchester, who's in third. And they've got a game in hand. Yeah. And I feel like, Bathy, what you said is so true because we're not going to get relegated. We're not going to get promoted. And we can just concentrate on playing quality rugby. The Cup, however, is a completely different entity. And we're obviously fighting for a place at Twickenham, like Goose said, which is it's just an unbelievable and unimaginable privilege to ever get there. And I think if we did, we'd probably be the second or third team in Crew and Nantwich history to get to Twickenham, which is amazing. But if you take the league, it's in our power what we do in terms of we've got nothing to lose. So we could potentially play against one of the top two teams. We've got one left. And they all enjoy a pint of uh, Cronenberg. And we can potentially, unfortunately for them, ruin their... What are you laughing at? It's just so funny. <laughs> we could pint potentially... <laughs> yeah, but enjoying a pint of Cronenberg after the game. We could potentially, unfortunately for them, ruin their promotion chances. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Sheffield and Cronenberg and other people in our league are outstanding teams. But we've proven that when we turn up and play some quality rugby, that we can actually get within touching distance of the top of our table. And I think when you get to the end of the season and you've got injuries setting in, people are tired, people don't want to come to training, especially in this dreadful March weather, teams can break and their form that they've had for the whole of season, including us, can quite rapidly deteriorate because it's tired, people have got starting to get commitments, holidays are setting in, injuries are starting to creep in of people that have been playing all season. Anything can happen in the end of the league and I think that's why it's exciting. So Didsbury lost to Sefton by one point in our league at the weekend. Didsbury have lost every game by one all season and they got within touching distance of another team. And the end of the league is probably more exciting than the start of the league because everyone's in their full flow. They've been playing together all season. Everyone's kind of committed to getting to the end of the season and an injury or someone being on holiday can rapidly change that. So that's why I think the next couple of weekends as our league wraps up some really, really exciting times. A middle of the table, third, fourth, fifth, have the ability to lose against the, the lower teams and equally beat the higher teams. 
So it's all up for grabs in, in every league, men's, women's, juniors, you know, whatever. And it's just probably the most exciting time of the leagues. I think what's really exciting for us as well is as a as a squad, we seem to start the season on a bit of a low and we build as a squad that actually this end of the season is where we really reap the benefits and where we've come together and actually our performances are normally stronger after Christmas. So this for me is always the exciting time with our team because this is where we're really good because we figured the shit out that we should have figured out maybe a little bit sooner, but now we've got it. And actually this is where we really turn the screws and we really show what a squad we are. So yeah, this part of the season is always really exciting, in particular for our squad, I think, because this is when we've really nailed down our plays, our defence, our attack, and everything is just humming along nicely and looking really good, that we can really cause some upsets come the end of the season. So it's going to be a good run of games into April, is it, when we finish? So Joe, by the sounds of it, you're going to probably struggle to play much in your current situation. That must be pretty frustrating after the season you've had. I'm going to give it a go, go to training tomorrow, see how I feel, see how my body works out. Uh, but I, I'd be disappointed, very, I'm more than disappointed. Words can't describe how broken I'll be if there's a, if Kroon Antwich make it to Twickenham and I can't play. I think I would go there with a broken leg and play, <laughs> given that opportunity. I was just thinking, what? I think this, is, this season is probably the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, that we've been comfortably in the middle. Last season, we yeah. were holding on to stay in the league for during the season definitely in the beginning so we're always trying to just stay in the league and the previous seasons we've always been at the top or close to the top fighting for promotion I think this first time we could actually feel like okay there's not that much pressure in this league this year because we're not going anywhere we can do what we want in the middle and we're comfortable we're not we're not going to get demoted and we're not going to get promoted so it takes the pressure off quite a bit for us now and we can focus on like you say the cup games the ones that have more reward for us now than the other games that we've got planned coming up. And ruining other people's yeah. days. That's the thing, isn't it? You know, in this situation. We all love ruining parties. But one thing I would say, Jodie, and this is just, and you don't have to publish this, Matt, I'm going to be really honest. You cannot play on Sunday if you want to play in the final if we get there. The thing is, I have a, a bit of a dilemma right now. I have a holiday booked for the final day to Italy. I booked this not completely thinking we were going to get to the final because I planned lots of things in for the games that we've got coming up for the cup, not thinking a hell in chance that we were going to get anywhere past the quarters, let alone make it to the semis. So I've got I've got to fight Haven't for it. Haven't we been here before, Jody? Yeah. Did, didn't this happen before and you forgot your passport and nearly everything in your bag and you all end up with is a, a phone charger? Oh. That was, Mal- or yeah. that was Malta. That was that was a rugby related. I didn't think, and it was the only time I had off and I thought, oh, big, nice, cheap flights, let's go. Not thinking it's going to happen. And I kept thinking, oh, if we lose and I don't get to play in the semis, I'll be upset. But if we, I don't know, I want to play both. But if we get to the Twickenham, I'm going to have to cancel the holiday. I don't mind losing that for the sake of saying, yes, I'm playing at Twickenham. Yeah, I get it. I, I know you weren't there at training. I know this is not an admin thing, but we've got to look after player welfare. So I know you want to play on Sunday, but I'd much rather have you for the final if we get there. Okay. And you probably need to take some time out, mate. Like <laughs> I'm sure Fiona might back me up on this. Yeah. If you've taken significant head knocks over the last few games, 
it'd be better to get you fit to play the last two games than it would be to push you to play in the semi-final. And then imagine if you get injured in the semi-final and can't play the final anyway. I agree. Jordan, yeah. you can't feel half your face, mate. <laughs> you got to, oh. you know. I have got a bit of a confession, and I know this is probably not PC to publish. So I've got dyslexia, and I don't advertise it that much, but like I, I can't process things in my head, and I know that's not just dyslexia, it, it's other things as well. And uh, I really struggle with like spelling and stuff. So Judy messaged me saying potentially her injury could be Bell's palsy. And then the next day, I delivered the message to Jess, obviously as vice captain. <laughs> and I said to her, Jodie's got cerebral palsy. <laughs> oh, no. I know it's not PC, and I really didn't mean to do it, but I just saw palsy, and I was like, oh, that's what Jodie's got. And then John Googled it and was like, Molly, can you just look at this? And I was like, oh, my God, I am the worst fucking human that's ever been, and I've I've been feeling terrible about it, so I just need to get it off my chest. I'm pretty sure you're born with cerebral palsy as well. I know, I know, I know, and I'm so <laughs> sorry, but I feel so much better for sharing it. <laughs> so, hi there, I'm here with Rebecca from Chatham Tigers second team. They've just come to Crew and today and put in a hell of a performance to beat Crew and Nantwich to get into the final of the cup competition, which I, th- I believe is played at Twickenham. So, it is, yeah, wow, this week. yeah, big day for you. Yeah, big day. Obviously, playing at HQ is a privilege for any player who has played rugby. So we've. This week, it was only confirmed this week that it was going to be played at Twickenham, so we tried not to think about it too much. Obviously, we're not there yet, so we had this game. We don't know crew as a team, we've never played them before, so we had to come up here. And a couple of hours on the bus, get out the bus legs in the warm-up. Um, luckily, we came out all guns blazing, which is really, really good start for us. And um, yeah, on to, on to Twickenham in a couple of weeks' time. Fantastic, that's going to be a hell of an occasion for your team, isn't it, and for your club as a whole? Yeah, big, big occasion for the club because we've got our ones in the playoff semi-final and if they win that one, then they're at Twickenham as well. So hopefully we can get the club women's section both played at Twickenham. Fantastic, what a day for Cheltenham, eh? Yeah. So tell me about your club then. Um, Cheltenham Tigers, uh, well, we're a pretty big setup. Um, the women's section was set up, I think it was about the 80s or something like that. The women's section playing, um, the ones playing the Championship South. And then the twos, I can't remember the league off the top of my head, but um, yeah, we've gone through the cup stages, played our games. Sometimes playing two games on the same weekend, we struggle to field both teams, but we pull together and we field a team each time because it's more about the club fielding the teams than like getting the result at the end of the day. But yeah. hopefully we can get two teams at Twickenham. Fantastic. Watching you today, it's very obvious that not only have you very well drilled as a squad, but you've also got some exceptional players. Where do you draw your players from? Some um, some girls approach us, um, but we do have a connection with Gloucester Hartbury for our one setup. So any any girls that aspire to play in the Prem, they come and play with us, and then they get in a playing uh, playing program. And if they want to push on into Prem, then they'll go to Hartbury. But um, a lot of us girls, we've been playing at Tigers from like Gloucester Uni, Worcester Uni, and we just stick around and keep, carry on playing for the club. So in terms of your squad then, tell yeah. me a bit about the makeup. Have you got any clowns in your squad that generally keep the party bus going? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, not blow my own trumpet or anything, but that would have been myself. Uh, I am the speaker carrier, so anything with music is through myself. Obviously, we do have the forward of the match, back of the match, and then we don't really do, excuse my language, um, dick of the day, but we do anybody that hasn't played the Tigers before 
or if anybody has done a serious mess up or anything like that, then we'll give them a, a quick drink on the bus on the way back. So it could be a good bus drive home tonight then, according to a couple of hours down to Cheltenham from here? Yeah, it'd be about two hours. Uh, be a nice bus on the way back, but um, just unfortunately it's a Sunday, so we can't all go out on. Go out yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. I hope there's a toilet on the bus. Oh, yeah, we hope so, yeah. I don't know whether there is or not to be off the top of my head. I, I'm just thinking about the game more than the bus, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. get me a drink and then we'll soon find out, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, today's been an absolutely excellent example of women's rugby at the grassroots yeah, level. You know, we had a great crowd out today. Yeah. Obviously, we're disappointed to come away with a loss, but I think when you come up against a side that's just simply better than you, and it's good to just watch good rugby being played. How did you feel about your overall performance as a team today? Um, overall performance was really good. We worked on it as over training this week areas that we wanted to work on is like move the ball wide but credit to crew like you guys like stuck at it to the full eight minutes like you got on the scoreboard so that was something that we didn't want to happen but you have it happened and all credit to you guys it's a good setup here and obviously we made it a, you made it a big occasion by getting a crowd in we had a couple of supporters on the bus with us as well but from our performance very good performance from us we yes. worked on the areas that we wanted to and we executed well it does give us a good platform moving forward to kick on and go in, go in at hq absolutely Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. Yeah, the ref actually got in the way of one of the ball carriers and the ball got played out from the base of the ruck and just stood in the way and next thing you know, the ref was on the floor and we had to get another ref. So. You had to get another ref? What well, happened? You, you kind of like, he stumbled a bit and we were like, you're all right. And he was like, it's all right, it's all right. But a couple of other people were like, we have to get another ref. But he carried on, but just don't get in the way. Don't get in the way don't of a forward running. I think some people think that women's rugby is not particularly physical, but I think that probably proves it against it, and today's game certainly didn't. Oh, absolutely. Like, some of the hits that were flying in today, like, big carriers, big collisions, and it just shows that women's rugby as a whole is always developing, no matter yeah. what league you're in, no matter what, where in the country you're playing. Everyone wants to ball carry, everyone wants to tackle hard, get that phys physicality in. Totally. Absolutely. Last question for me. If yep. somebody was listening to this and thinking, right, I really want to really fancy playing rugby, why should they come to Cheltenham? Um, if you're local to the area, just message us. Message us on um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anything like that. We're um, very active on our socials. Um, I think our Instagram is um, Chelt Tigers WRFC. I think it is off the top of my head. If not, just type in Cheltenham Tigers. But if you're not local to Cheltenham or if you're local to crew, just type into Google, like, where's my local rugby club? Yeah. Where's my local women's section? And you just get involved because I'm sure everyone who plays women's rugby will be more than welcome to have newcomers join their clubs because the game is always growing, especially with the Six Nations that's happening at the moment. Massively. Listen, congratulations on the win today. Thank Look you. forward to seeing you winning at HQ. When is it? In a couple of weeks now? I think it's a couple of weeks. I don't know the date off the top of my head, to be uh, honest, but I think it is... Esh in your memory. I've got a feeling it's around about the 26th of April. What are you most like looking forward to? Is it walking out through the tunnel? Is it the big, big pitch? What is it you're looking forward to about going to Twickenham? Um, just the whole atmosphere, just the occasion. Um, we've said it before, we, we're very much advocates of enjoy the moment. Don't let the moment overcome you and just think about the next step. Just yeah. enjoy the moment and being present in it. So today we've been present in the moment, we've won a semi-final and let's enjoy it. And then when we get to Twickenham, enjoy absolutely every moment because it's a memory that you're making. Certainly is. Congratulations. I'm thank looking you. forward to watching you. <laughs> no worries. Thank you very much. Thank you. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I the rock, I the river, I the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, 
French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Shez says. I don't even know how podcast You got an apron on there, Shez? Yeah. What are you cooking? Pork in barbecue sauce, carrots, cauliflower cheese. Just got a cauliflower the size of like two footballs. Huge. <laughs> You're getting them the size of cricket balls. Yeah, well, I, even the woman went to me. I've never seen a cauliflower so big. I said, I'm not about paying £1.80 for a cauliflower, but if it's this big, I can deal with it. <laughs> Only you would manage to get the biggest cauliflower known to man, Sherry. It was like a pumpkin. But, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It fell into the large category, so I took it. Nice. I'm not about them small ones that are all greenery, and by the time you've chopped it off, you've got a tennis ball. That's not feeding five, is it? (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm all right. Not too bad. Just fucking crazy busy all the time. I've only worked till half one today, but then I had to go food shopping. Then I got in, then I put it away, and then I've started the tea, and it's half four. And I've got rugby training. Regan was supposed to have her first uh, rugby league game tonight, but it's got cancelled. The opposition have cancelled. So now I can go training. Why is she doing rugby league as well? She's only just started about three weeks ago, just so she can carry on playing rugby in the off-season, because there's his opposite or something. Yeah, it is. You're right, yeah. But for, like, fitness and just to learn more skills and stuff, really. If you, a lot of the people, when she plays for Sale, all play league for Liverpool St. Helens, and she's really good mates with them all, and they all keep saying to her, you should come down and try it. So that's why she went initially. But Martin just said to her, it's really good for fitness and all that. And she likes all yeah, the girls. It so it's just, it's just that, really, just to keep at it rather than have a big break and go back. I tried it once and got found out pretty quickly. Yeah, you've got to be seriously fit, haven't you? Yeah, you have. That's what and, Martin And everyone's really aggressive her. and like tackles really hard. And it's just a yeah, bit that's uncouth what... and undignified for me. <laughs> Sounds just like Union. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uncouth. It was, yeah. Everyone was quite aggressive and very northern. <laughs> Sounds like a yeah. night out in the con club. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. We'll protect the names of the innocent. But we met somebody that makes a, an interesting living, let's say, selling various items online. There was no considering of it. It was more of an interesting conversation as to the economics and the mechanics of it more than anything else. A and very, brief buy, very brief conversation. Very brief conversation about <laughs> the, the, the people pun. out there that would buy... <laughs> <laughs> the people out there that will buy unintended you know, some used flip-flops and all kinds of weird stuff but we met some interesting people in the pub on saturday sherry didn't we yes we did quite loud ones oh my god we nearly got barred from the conservative club who even knew that was a thing who even knew you could get a verbal warning in a working man's club is that even a thing well it clearly is now so the Working Man's Club in Nantwich is one of the only places you can sit down reasonably comfortably and watch rugby, unless you want to be pressed into cheap the armpit beer. of 500 rugby players. Relatively cheap beer. Fairly nice. Take the kids in, that kind of stuff. But we met a couple of people in there that are sort of friends of friends, one of whom has a rather interesting line of business that came out of lockdown. In lockdown, let's just say that uh, this individual, who will remain nameless, made a bit of extra pocket money. In fact, made a pretty good living by the sounds of it. Selling various items of clothing to... I can't actually believe people pay this amount of money for crazy shit like that. Absolutely not. Yeah, so we had a rather interesting conversation. So I guess the, the general consensus was that if you've got it, somebody will buy it in the main. So the one that I think surprised us all was the individual that's got a particular thing for very stinky feet. And this person in question likes to... Doesn't like to, I think that's probably a bit strong, but will 
pretend her flip-flops are particularly unpleasant, even though they're pretty much fresh out of the packet. And this can generate some income, which we found hilarious. You wouldn't catch me doing anything like that, clearly. It is absolutely wrong. <laughs> yeah. you know, All right, Bugsy. For anybody, <laughs> anybody who ever falls on times that, you know, it's nice to know for people that if they wanted to, the opportunity's out there. So if you're ever basically off work, you've got a really unpleasant foot fungus, all is not lost. Yeah. If you end up with, I don't know, gout or some unpleasant foot disease, then, you know, you needn't be out of pocket because there's somebody out there that will buy it. I suppose that lady was doing it. She didn't, during lockdown, what else can you do? And you can't go out of the house. But it's just bizarre that people pay money for crazy shit like that. Like, it's actually a thing. When you hear of it on telly, you think it's made up. It's real. The whole new world out there. But there's some people that like Crocs as well, Lou. If you've been uh, doing, oh. you're spending all day in the kitchen cooking in your Crocs, you'd be sliding. There'll be somebody out there that will pay for them. They'll be a bit slippy. They're, well, they weren't cheap. They'd have to pay a fair amount of money. You have to get some, <laughs> get get some backup pairs of those two for a quid ones off, uh, off Aldi. Get some of them fur-lined ones from oh. Aldi. They're only a fiver. That's a good... There oh, God. Go. They might actually be genuinely very stinky if they were fur-lined and I was wearing them in the kitchen at work. Oh, yeah. you'd be ringing <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. You want to bring some parmesan as you make some oh. pasta. Mm. <laughs> some of that blue cheese sauce in, couldn't you? Blue cheese dressing, yeah. <laughs> Dash of maple syrup. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> Very nice. Some bacon bits. <laughs> Do you think my friend Claire's a bit cracked? And then you got Platy and Maggie. Who knew that much crazy could be in one room? No wonder we got. I'd yellow. say of all of them, you were the most normal. To be fair. Exactly. Oh, that says something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's when you know how mental my friends are when I become normal. Well, you were actually even the quietest. Me and Batty were having a right good laugh. How's that a thing? I don't know. I think I could see the card looming, and I, it's all right for her. She's going back to Spain. Platy lives in the depths of nowhere. I have to walk these streets. I'm known. They're just nobody. I'm somebody. That's the difference. You know, I've got random people coming up to me and Aldi, don't forget, going, oh my God, are you the one that popped up on my Instagram yesterday? This is the kind of thing I have to deal with on a daily basis. So when you're in a working man's club, you've got to play it down. I've got fans. There's only so far I can go when I'm out in the public. When on this, I'm just a voice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Only lots of fans. Thank you. Full slasher says. It was since uh, when a... It's when I played with um, that game with Regan. It was on Nantwich News. That's when me celebrity has gone up. Ant and Deck have still not been in touch, but I'm pretty sure it won't be long. That's put me up a bit now. How was it playing with your daughter? Really good. I love that she doesn't look out of place. That's what I love. So it's more than not out of place. She looks like one of the best players on the pitch. Exactly. That's what I mean. And to get opposition's player and player's player on your first ever first team game, that's good, isn't it? You wouldn't know that she hadn't always been in the team, have you? No, not at all. Did she enjoy it? Oh, yeah, yeah, she loved it, yeah. I think she enjoyed the helpful comments and tips from the sideline from her father. I don't know about any of that, because I was actually on the pitch. Probably best you don't ask. Yeah, I don't know. I think it it nearly involved a red card, and there was some swearing and and, a minor altercation between Regan and Bugsy. Well, for once, I was not involved. For once, (laughs) the warning was not mine. So, yeah. <laughs> I must admit, though, I don't think I could stand if my dad was still on the side of the pitch and gave me helpful advice. I, I don't think I could deal with that. <laughs> or unhelpful advice, whichever yeah, the case exactly. may be. 
it might be helpful, but it doesn't mean it's going to get intercepted that way. But yeah, I was not involved in any way. So I'm all good. I'm fine. Mm. So how was the holiday? It was really good. It wasn't crazy, actually. It was quite normal. Oh, a bit of karaoke. Won the bingo. That always upsets. That always rocks the boat. You know, you won 80 euros for the house. You know, you got the regulars in. Regular had never played bingo before. She was very excited. And then I went and won the money. Nice. So we went out the next night, meal, 80s bar. It was quite normal because there was no platy or Maggie or anything. It was very, <laughs> you know, as normal as I can be. And Maggie's found it, a bike. You know, I found Maggie's bike for the second time. <laughs> so for listeners, Maggie, who's Joey's friend and a collective. Local post. Local celebrity. And she's also a postwoman. Um, she's got a rather jazzy bike that's been painted in Dago colours. And it's been nicked a couple of times. But it always turns up because obviously whoever nicks it wouldn't dare ride it anyway because there's definitely not two yellow and pink neon bikes circulating in, in a small <laughs> town like this, is there? <laughs> this time it was only actually, it was only one street from her house. <laughs> Dumped in a gully. Oh, no. she wasn't pissed and left it there herself. No, no. No. I said to her, Maggie, after last time, when I had to get it all put on social media everywhere and it got found dumped at the side of the lake, did you not learn your lesson? Did you not get a lock? Yeah, yeah, I've got a lock now, but I'll just slip it through so it looks like it's locked. But you might as well not have a lock. Exactly that. That's why it got nicked the second time. Because it looks locked, but it's not locked. Reckon it was the same person. But she person. has got a lock, but she doesn't lock the lock. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, she's got it back. I've advised her to spray it black. They might not take it if it looks like a normal bike. They might take it more often. Oh, I don't know. Well, I'll give it back <laughs> next time. They probably didn't realise it was neon until they woke up the next day and saw it outside the house. If they take it this time, she won't get it back once she sprayed it black because clearly it'll just look like everybody else's bike. This is your fault, Batty. Maggie's phone went missing and it's absolutely your fault. It was under the chair that you were sitting on. First, she reckoned she'd been frauded and cancelled the bank card and she hadn't been frauded she'd just put an app on her phone and it was downloading so she cancels a card so she's now got access <laughs> and no money i got a 40 quid out the cash machine had an altercation with a homeless man with no shoes on how does this happen to me i'm getting antsy because i want a can of cider so i managed to swerve that got piss wet through getting her the money because it was leathering it down got all the money then she lost the money then she found the money so we then went to the mile bank and a bike got found. Then she lost her phone and it was under the chair that you'd been sitting on. Why is that my fault? Because it was the chair that you were sitting on. So you must have knocked it out of her pocket, apparently. It was face down. So when she's ringing it, it wasn't flashing. Oh, so in the space of about two hours, she lost her bike, found her bike, thought she'd been frauded, cancelled the cash machine. <laughs> I got her 40 quid out of the bank. She lost the 40 quid, then found the 40 quid and she lost her phone then found a phone i told her i said said to her i'm not being funny i should literally get paid to come out with you i'm like a social carer i should be on the books and it's double time with her and platy both out honestly i I went home i couldn't cope i had to go and have a glass of wine with lou to take the edge off didn't even drink for the last hour because i couldn't deal with any more maggie shenanigans i need some new mates that are normal do you know any no no. Oh, that's great then. I'll just that's why we like going having... out with you, Shaz, because our lives are so dull. Our lives seem <laughs> that was more boring than ever when we've gone out with you. And I'm like, I'm all right with that. That's yeah. supposed to be a nice, quiet meal on Saturday with my friend down from Spain. Turns out she's more cracked than she was at school. I thought she might have turned normal, but she hasn't. 
Obviously. She was very far from normal. It's obviously why we got on. She came from Worleston, though, a little small dogging village. So, you know, <laughs> she's moved to Spain now. Her eyes have been opened. The strays everywhere. <laughs> small dogging village. There's a dogging <laughs> in Spain, there must be. Well, that's what I mean, but they're all feral. She's probably got rabies. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, she's going back tomorrow. I've told she... her I'll go and see her there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's going like, yeah, Let's... get her banned from a few places. Yeah. I hope there isn't a working man club there, because if yeah. there is, she won't be going again. I'll sort <laughs> that out. Oh, yes. It's all right. They won't understand you, Sherry, because you can't speak Spanish. Well, I'm, I'm hoping they speak English. They'll understand <laughs> when I start bringing hand gestures into it. Anyway, we need to put the uh, the massage, Sherry. We've got enough money in the bank for me. And, what about uh, Lou? Yeah, I thought can... it was a double. Well, it's not... people have stopped fundraising. They've stopped putting the money in the, in the pocket for, for Lou as well. So we'll have to do a bake sale to be one of on us. Sunday at the rugby. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they'll let me in to film it? Do you think, should I say I'm making a documentary or something? I'm going to have to get a cover story. You say you're my carer or something. I'm not I mean, being funny, Batty. Don't get down to your loincloth because I don't want to be in the room if they do to you what they did to me and turn your underwear into a toothpick. I don't think I can deal with that. It's been a rough few weeks. Oh. <laughs> that could be the straw that breaks the literally the straw that breaks the camel's back. There's no point telling them that you don't want to do that because we all know where that's going to go because they don't listen to a word you say. You're going to have to say you've got scabies or something you'll have to keep that bit covered. <laughs> I don't think that'll put them off, will it? No. They've probably got something to heal it. A bit of warm oil. Yeah, some oil. fucking tiger balm. Yeah, a tiger, tiger balm on it. Rub it <laughs> yeah. Well, that's something oh, I, people I look forward to. I don't know how that's going to work, but I really don't. But I don't want to be there if you are starkers. I don't intend to be starkers. Maybe if I put some like cycling shorts on that you can't roll up. How about that? Have you listened to your own episodes? I never intend to be stalkers. You don't set out to do it. It's just what they do. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and if you ring is... ahead and tell them, no, it's more likely to happen. So I just don't know how you're going to sort it out. Maybe just stay at one end of me, keep away from the other end. A bit <sighs> like it when you're giving birth. Your husband stays at one end, not oh, the other great. end. Oh, great. Fantastic. There's quite a lot of you, Batty. I think whichever end it is, I'm going to see something I don't really want to see. <laughs> Put some yeah, kind of screen great. up. How about that? Oh, great. Lovely. What like a vision. Have, um, cesareans. Have you got any blinkers I can borrow, Lou? <laughs> uh, no. I'll just sit at the side. They're, they're the... constantly in use, Sherry. I think I'll sit at the side at the nipple end with blinkers on. <laughs> I must admit, I am quite scared by this whole idea. I tell you, it's going to work. Don't say I didn't tell you. So we decide on where now? Do you reckon we go to the, the old original Pim and Pan? So I'm quite a big I mean, guy, you know. They, they, need, they might need two of them to manipulate me into the required shapes. I'll say to them, I came before and had Pim and Pam, and it was a fantastic experience. Can you get both? I'll sort it out. I definitely think you want to. You've got to have the full experience. That's what I'm thinking. If listeners are paying, and I'm only going to do this once, hopefully. I need to make sure I enjoy the full. You might like it. You'd be dead in for a fortnightly session. Might be. You never know. Oh God! Might be frightening. I don't think I expect you to come every time, though. It's just this once. No, just the once will do me. Anyway, I thought we'd talk about today changing room etiquette. The reason I thought about this because I went into the changing rooms when my son was playing last week to drop something off, and it really struck me how some people are like mega neat and all their stuffs like on hangers and all nice and organised. And some people, it's basically an explosion of kids and crap. I was probably... That's Katie Irene. She's that person. 
I was probably more on the explosion of kit and crap side myself. I could never find my boots, kept putting things on the wrong peg, all that kind of stuff. Are there people that are an absolute nightmare and some that are like mega neat freaks? Katie Irene's a nightmare because she's always late and so there's never a space. So she just literally launches a bag up the room and gets changed right there in the middle of the room. Stuff's going in all directions. She doesn't have a spot. So she's definitely not the one. I'm really neat because I'm always in a rush, probably. Afterwards, I've always got somewhere, somewhere else I should be. So I have a bag hanging up for me washing and everything. I'm all, I'm on it. Yeah, same here. I like to be organised. I have like a, a an Aldi bag for life, empty, that I take me shower, well, I take me towel and me wash kit and that in. And then as I get my wash kit and my towel out of that, anything that I take off goes in that bag. And then when I can come home to the washing machine and just empty that bag straight into the washer, I don't even have my muddy stuff loose in my bag. I have a system. It's a mum system, I Yeah, find. it is. That I was going to say. It's probably a mum yeah. thing. It's to keep the mud to I the minimum because it. it's mm-hmm. all about getting the washer straight on. And there's no hanging about if you've got it all in one place. Plus, if you put all your dirty stuff in your kit bag with some clean stuff, then you're going yeah. to have to wash the clean stuff as well as the dirty stuff. Exactly. So why would you do that? Exactly. Well, in my case, just leave it for eternity until it yeah, dries out and turns to dust. Don't have a game for three weeks, and then one day before three weeks, your kit's rotting in the garage. Oh, yeah, I need that tomorrow. Oh, my God. Do you remember when we that one time yeah. we had to play in the kit that hadn't been washed from the match before? Because oh. someone had forgotten to take it to the laundrette. That was Rank. fun. Oh God! That wasn't nice, was it? I remember in the no, huddle beforehand, it was, it. it was it was like being in some kind of mushroom farm. It was. You could literally nice. taste it. Yeah, it was furry. There was a lot of <laughs> going on. <laughs> I, I did actually once clammy. have to play in socks that had had mold in them. I remember taking them out of my oh bag my and I was God. like, they had a white mold in them, and I was like, I, I, I even get I just a bit. To put them on thingy when you when you sub and you have to switch a shirt with someone even that someone who's been playing for an hour even that yeah, makes I me feel like a bit oh. could have I got a fortune a thing, for those but... socks matt yeah, oh, probably, you missed yeah. out. your bank could be full and my feet afterwards particularly as well oh my god that was horrible <laughs> could have put yeah. that on your own fans <laughs> yeah the two worst things though are definitely anything that's shiny material so like body armor or knee supports that kind of thing Head guards, like if you take that off and don't wash it, then oh, next anything around, like it's if you not a nice place to be. Been in the shower that's damp, it's definitely going mouldy. Oh, yeah, lurking in the bottom of your bag and it's wet. Oh my god, I never forget, right? We had an after game kind of function or something, and Lola, do you remember Lola? Lola, oh, yeah, Mercedes' yeah. sister, yeah, that was it. And I'll never forget that she brought about five different outfits to wear after the game well she wasn't sure what she was going to wear why would you just do walking that in, i don't know to lock up or something and there was like this fashion rail of i say fashion of <laughs> <laughs> you know, leopard skin and fur and pink and you know why diamante you five outfits Ex- exactly but are there people that bring in, in women's game that like just bring way more than they need because in the men's game in the main got a kit bag and that's it Occasionally, you might have another bag with, like, I don't know, some some food in it. <laughs> a mouldy tuna wrap. But in the women's game, sometimes I see people arrive at the match and it's like, what have you got there? they got, like, three bags. I mean, what do you need three bags for? What's in them? I have bags in bags. I have my big bag, and in my big bag is bags. <laughs> so to the untrained eye, it looks like a bag. It's actually four. 
One's got the clean stuff. One's got the before the game stuff, the after the game stuff, the wash stuff. But all them bags fit in our bag. It's the height of organisation. It is. It's like that. It's like a lunchbox with dividers in. That's what it's like. It's like those Russian dolls. Yeah. Bag in a bag in a bag in a bag. Yeah, exactly. And there's normally somebody that's got all the things that everybody else forgets. So when Katie forgets her socks, somebody's always got an extra pair. There is somebody like that always, yeah. Every, one of us has always got something, paracetamols or something. There was something like, we never had any scissors. And every <laughs> week we needed scissors. And yeah, every week, no one Why had a single pair of nails. I can't remember. It must have been nails or tape or something. But no one ever had any scissors. Physio In Mercedes' case, cutting the umbilical cord. <laughs> <laughs> and then going straight back on the pitch. So big game on Sunday, Sherry. Are you playing? I don't know yet. I'm training tonight. I don't mind if I don't play, to be honest. I really don't, because I haven't been able to train the last few weeks because I've been doing a double shift on a Wednesday. So, you know, I, I won't be massively bothered if I'm not picked, but I'm available if they need me to play, if you know what I mean. If it goes on people who've trained more or whatever, you know, they should get picked over me. Big deal, because if they win, the final's at Twickenham. But I don't know anything about Cheltenham Tigers, like what league are they in, how good are they? And, and I literally know nothing to Yeah, do. No, not really. Because when it's a cup game, you don't get to know, do you? I think they're in a comparable league, are they? Or maybe in the league above, but they're not like high up that league, I don't think. If that's right, then it could literally go either way. That's quite yeah, exciting totally. that- to know that we actually stand a chance. Yeah, definitely. Pressure's on both teams, isn't it? But also, they're, they're away from home, so they've travelled a long way to get there. Yeah. How long is it at Cheltenham in the car? Cheltenham's about, yeah, just north of Bristol, so two and a half hours. And they're bringing a, a supporters height. bus as well, so we need the fans down. Imagine coming all that way and they've got more supporters than us, and we're at home. That wouldn't be good. Not at all. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah. big win, and then off to the final. Run out of Twickenham, that'd be quite an experience, wouldn't it? Yeah. I've been there already. Remember that for my award. Beaten off by Mrs. Chubbs or something, whatever her name was. Bernadette. Bernadette. Bernadette Chubb. It was. Maggie and Platty and that want to come to the grassroots thing. Excellent. I think we should hire a minibus this time. That'd be quite fun. Yeah, I think so. And uh, and call it loads of Aldis on the way. No. And then get a big Sherry, no. house with a spa. Look, you're the most organised woman ever. Can you just not go to Aldi? Before we set off, like yeah, but the I like day to go other ones. I like the to go to ones before. that I haven't been. Been to Avonmouth Aldi. I've got a big list of ones, and I haven't been that one. I like to see how nice the staff are and if they know me. Well, just drop me off at where we're staying, and then you can go to Aldi. Well, you've got your own wing, so you'll be all right. Yeah, good. Uh, happy days. <laughs> I've been sacked from organising accommodation this year after the fiasco of last year. Fiasco? Um, what, what you mean? Where we're in the middle of effing nowhere? You had to sleep on the kitchen floor on a crisp packet. Oh yeah, I forgot um, about that. With a bag of salt and vinegar. Not <laughs> rustly at all. I'll find us one. Don't you worry. Oh, I slept in every room in the house. I had to rotate the with the snoring. <laughs> yeah. Well, my snoring has not changed. Oh, don't worry. There'll be distance this time. There'll be wings and floors. Fine by me. And an outhouse <laughs> and a barn. Okay. And a hayloft. <laughs> I would love a hayloft. Yeah. Need a good hayloft. And a jacuzzi. Oh, yeah, you could bring your uh, plunge pool 
Lee. Plunge yeah. pool. It looks more like a birthing pool, though, to be honest. I've just <laughs> set it up and it's taking, it's currently on hour number two of filling it up with water. <laughs> what actually is it? Like one of them lazy spas? Like a tall paddling pool. You just get in. Do you realise like, it's March right now? It's not. We're not in the height of summer. Well, I know it's warmed up a bit now. So. You want it cold? What, the weather the or the water? The water, you want it as cold as possible. I'm going to get some ice in it, actually. Oh, my God. You should try it, Shaz. It'll be good for your stress levels, that. Mm. My stress levels are fine now, thank you. Bring your blood pressure down, a bit of cold water. Well, I don't know if blood pressure is normal. I've stopped taking it, so it's probably normal, because it was taking it 60 times an hour that was putting it up. (laughs) (laughs) So it should be filled up in a minute. I'm going to get in it and um, give it a try. Oh, great. Can you video that? Nope. I can't wait to see you, Blue. Blue Lou. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. I have been open water swimming quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, but can you actually <laughs> swim in it? Or are you just dip no. in? You just no, you just dip. You plunge, yeah. plunge in it. Where's the, is yeah. it. What's the benefit? De-stress, blood pressure. Is that actually what it's for, really? It's amazing. Yeah. It's probably amazing. What is it, like a kid's paddling pool? Or is it an actual, really, is a stress pool thing? Stress um, pool. It's basically like a tall, a long, thin paddling pool. You fill mm. it with cold water, ice. You put. It's got Sounds a lid. Sounds to me like a canoe. <laughs> it's not like a canoe. Quite like that. It's like a, it's like a giant coke can without a lid. Oh, I know what it's you're about. It's actually quite big. Yeah, they are quite big. Could you yeah. not have just filled a wheelie? Fill up a wheelie bin. You can do, but you don't want to fall over in a wheelie bin. They're a bit top heavy, aren't they? They're a bit like wibble wobble. Yeah, but- <laughs> You end up going halfway down the street in it with the wheels. It's but no, they're good. They're, it's amazing for circulation. Is it circulation. completely it's freezing cold? How much are they? Mm, it's, you know, sort of 100-ish quid. They're pretty incredible. And so how long do you um, go in it for? How often? As long as you can, long as you can take it, basically. <laughs> as long as you can manage. About 20 seconds, then. You want it to lower your core, basically, your core temperature. Nothing's oh, I have the opposite. Bad. I have the bath that I have to lie in the bed for half an hour because I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> palpitations there you go Shaz it's obviously hot water that's bad for you so get yourself cold water I like a nice it's life changing it is life changing are you and, going uh, the end of season do you two we're having a table again like last time I haven't even looked at it to be honest yeah it was good last, last time last year it was amazing last year wasn't Regan's it Regan's coming this time as well oh let's get on it I'll do I'll go in the day and do a bit of name switching yeah go and do some <laughs> planting did you do the old vodka planting as well. The old switcheroo, yeah, with the present bag, obviously. You brought a bag of snacks. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I, I remember. fed the whole table all night. Yeah. <laughs> was your pretzels or something? You got a, like an Aldi bag for life bag of snacks. Yeah. <laughs> You're there for a three-course meal as you bring snacks just in case. You have to snack between courses. You've got to keep <laughs> your strength up. When you can drink a litre of vodka, you need something to soak it up with, and a three-course meal is not enough. Though this time, Sherry, can you have a trial run of your dress before the night? Oh, it was a very nice. nearly a, an awkward situation last year. <laughs> if I'd arrived five minutes earlier, I could have been... I was round the um, neighbours getting me boobs line. put in that had only just moved into the house. We're acquainted now. Well, I've got a new dress on the way, so I'll let you know how it goes. I don't know yet. I'll give it a trial run. <laughs> be like the wetsuit time, Lou, isn't it? Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> lovely. Still got PTSD from that. Tried to get a wetsuit on, and I thought, yeah, this will be fine. I'll just try it on, and before the school run, quickly get it off, and then off a trot. It was a front zip one, and I got it on, but I mean, it was tight. 
it was very tight. It was probably a size too small. It's supposed to be tight wetsuits. Yes, but this was super tight. And then I got it on, and I'm like, yes, I have got it on. And then I was like, okay, take it off now. Take it off now. It was not <laughs> happening. And then I got hot, and then I started sweating, and then my whole body expanded, and the wetsuit <laughs> contracted, and there was just no fucking chance that thing was coming off ever oh so I, I was gonna have to do the school run wearing a wetsuit that I couldn't get off <laughs> underneath my actual clothes which just would have looked a bit odd you could have died of heat exhaustion okay i know <laughs> but you lost a few stone very similar to that time i tried on um end of season dinner dress at home i was on me i managed to get the zip back zip all the way up to the top like this really difficult and that was quite tight as well and then i couldn't get that off either and it was nearly school run time as well. So I thought I was going to have to like rock the cocktail dress on the school run situation. <laughs> oh my God. Wardrobe malfunctions. Yeah. I haven't had anything like that. Well, you don't wear dresses, babe. No, but I did go to, to do some interviews in a hotel in Birmingham once. It was dark when I left the house. I was a bit like last minute as usual. And I just grabbed a dinner jacket rather than a suit jacket. I sat there and just interviewed these guys <laughs> all day in a dinner jacket. <laughs> which is a bit awkward. Well, they've obviously yeah. just thought you were weird. So it's yeah. probably not a bit fancy. <laughs> Although nothing, there's nothing on the time I, I fixed my shoes with no more nails. Have I told you that story? So my shoes were basically ruined because the sole had fallen off. I was like, I can't wear those shoes. So I had another pair, but I put those shoes on and they were like clown shoes. They were just ridiculous. There was a pair that my mum had bought me in a charity <laughs> shop and they were literally like patent leather, far too big. I just looked like a very sharp-suited clown, basically. It sounds like Ronald McDonald. Yeah, it was McDonald's. like Ronald McDonald if he was going to a business meeting, basically. So I thought, well, I have to fix my old shoes. So I didn't know what to do. I literally had no time. So I got these old shoes with the with the sole that was that was flapping off. And I thought, well, I know, just fix it with no more nails. So I pumped the cavity between the sole and the shoe with no more nails and just jammed it down the radiator and left it overnight. So I got up in the morning to go to this meeting. I went... <laughs> I put my shoes on and my, my right foot, literally, I had no zero flex in my right foot. It was like wearing a ski boot. It was completely solid. So I put my foot in a fish tank full of concrete. I couldn't walk. I had I was walking like I had some ridiculous limb. foot issue. Like those people with one of the higher uh, soles. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those people that have got like 15 soles on one foot and, and one on the other. It's a bit like that. <laughs> so I got in the car and thought, right, I drive to Burview, which is hard enough because I had no feeling in my foot because of this concrete. So it was a bit, I was a bit heavy on the on the accelerator, it's fair to say. And then when I got there, I was like, right, I was hoping I could park close to the client's office. But in the end, I couldn't have to park around the corner. Oh, and I got lost, by the way, and ended up in some police precinct and down one way street in the, in the same journey. So I was already sweating and, and very cross with myself by this point. I can't walk to the office because if, if my client looks out the window and sees me walking, he's going to think, I've got something wrong with me. <laughs> So I sort of shuffled and <laughs> did what I could to, to, to walk normally. I was like, I can't do this. I thought I'd just try and put a bit of force into my leg to try and so I could snap this concrete problem. And in so doing, I ripped the heel off the shoe. The front of my shoe was completely solid and the heel of my shoe was flapping about. This is not good. <laughs> I sat in this meeting trying to hold the, the heel of my shoe on with my other foot. I remember coming out of that meeting thinking, I've got to sort my life out. This is not good. I'm 35. I'm quite senior in my job. I look like some kind of, I don't know what, tramp. What a vision. The only then, do you start to see towards the end of the season a worsening of discipline where players, they don't, they stop caring so much about, I don't know, 
a place in the squad or you're getting banned or whatever? Or do you see the opposite where players are a little bit fitter and a bit more used to the laws? To be honest, where you've got these matches that really matter, actually players are under enormous pressure from their teammates to keep their discipline. So it's a bit like where you have, you know, a team that are trying to defend a very slender lead in the last few minutes of a game. Their discipline will probably be some of the best all game. They're wanting to ice it. You know, they don't want to compete where they don't think they're going to win the ball. So there's an argument to be made that potentially more games are like that, where teams are trying to keep players on the pitch because it's much easier to win a game with 15 on the pitch for the whole game than with players missing with yellow cards, red cards, whatever it might be. So it depends on the game. It depends on the players. It's not necessarily a pattern that I've picked up. No, but it's difficult. We had a a conversation quite recently about sort of the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes of the game and how do you referee differently in the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes of a game, particularly if it's tight. I went on exchange recently and I did Richmond against London Irish in the Women's Championship. Cracking game, but at the 80th minute, Richmond were winning, but London Irish were attacking within the 22 and had been for the last eight minutes. And at that point, as a referee, you're going, right, if I give a penalty here to Irish or to Richmond, it has to be nailed on. It has to be that everybody watching this game goes, that's a penalty because you don't want to make the difference. You want the players to decide the outcome of the game. And generally speaking, you're not going to give, unless you can really not help it, you're you're trying not to give marginal decisions so that nobody can turn around and point to the referee and go, well, you're the reason why we lost or you're the reason why they won. So yeah, it's it's kind of like that. You're, you're living on on the edge of your nerves. I, I can't doubt myself at all when I give this. I'll give fewer penalties in the last ten minutes than I potentially will in the first when I'm trying to assert what you know what I want from the game. So I imagine that it's similar with players across the season. That in the first game of the season, does it matter if you give away ten penalties and you have two people in the bin? It probably does in the last game of the season pressure's on isn't it for some teams definitely I think the implication for some teams of promotion relegation is pretty serious isn't it I know thankfully there's only been one season where relegation was really a possibility but I remember when we were chasing promotion and I I knew with reasonable confidence that certain players probably wouldn't have stuck with the team if we hadn't been promoted because we hit that point where we were overachieving against the majority of opposition in the league. So there's only maybe two teams that were really competitive. So a lot of the games were pretty one-sided. A lot of cancellations as well at that level. Um, so getting up into the top, into the next league above was really where we needed to be. I found that very stressful, the thought that we slipped up and it wouldn't have been through lack of ambition or you know lack of effort. It would have been something really banal like availability, a cancellation um, due to weather, which then impacted on you know, the availability for the pre- for the following week or, or something like that, you know, um, it's pretty stressful. Molly, obviously as captain, you, you must weather some of this, this feeling of what if or these playing out these scenarios in your head sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not going to kind of belittle the, the fact that we could go to Twickenham if we win on Sunday. And I think Jess, the vice captain, summarised it as quite a kind of great way to say it. She said... Sunday's our final, Twickenham's the prize. So when we were at 
going to get promoted if we won one of our games. You can't focus on what if, because ultimately, if you don't deliver on the day, there's no point of dreaming of what can happen. So if you're in relegation, which we've all been in, and it's a horrible feeling, one try, one penalty, you know, anything like Fiona said can change a game. And I think obviously England on Sunday, we saw that Freddie Stewart got a red card. It did change the game. Same with the England women. Um, when Lydia, Tom- was it Lydia Thompson that got a red card? Yeah. In the yeah World Cup final. It changed the game. Like little margins and niche things that happen within a game can dramatically change the outcome. So every scenario that you play through your head is probably not going to happen. It's going to be something that you're not prepared for and you kind of have to focus. And I think when we played, we played Driffield last week, we were playing some really fast rugby. We were trying to make sure that we got the ball out quick, etc. And everyone wanted to tap and go on our last penalty. And we were like, no, stop. Like we need to go back to basics, go back to our structure. So as long as you refer to your kind of play and how you normally play, you can get these niche scenarios that you have to kind of think off the bat, but you have to just focus on what you've done all season because it's worked. Granted, if you're in a relegation battle, probably everything you've done all season hasn't fucking worked or you want to be there in the first place and you have to kind of analyse them. But I think as captain, you have to kind of step back from what's happening, watch it happen, take feedback from the coaches and people on the subs bench and go, okay, these are the things we're doing wrong. What can we change it? How can we change this scenario and how can we change the game? And it could be something really simple like slowing the ball down, taking a step back at the rook to make sure that we're not getting penalised all the time. And you have to be able to identify these really quickly. And the way you do that is by watching a lot of rugby and speaking to the senior players on the team and going, okay, guys, we're in a predicament here. How can we resolve it? And how can we change the dynamics of the game? But you can't preempt a scenario. And there'll be sometimes when you'll get it right and sometimes when you get it wrong. You've just got to have all the kind of tools in your in your bank to be able to say, right, we've been in this scenario before. Last time we did this, that's not going to work today because they've got a really good kick chase. We can't do that. Let's do this. And and you have to kind of take yourself out of the game at the time and be able to analyse what's going on. And decision-making can change a game. So you have to have those people around you that can say, right, we've got this scenario. This is what we can do. And whether that's the captain, the vice-captain, a senior player, the scrum half, whatever. And you have to play what's in front of you because you could get a really good ref that has a really bad day you could get the best nine in the world that can't pass for shit because, you know, they've come on their period or they've broke up with their boyfriend. There's like, there's so many scenarios, you can't plan them. So you have to just be able to react and adapt. And that's what I would say, like plan what you can and then just, yeah, just wing it. <laughs> just wing it because the best decisions happen under pressure. And don't forget as well, I know this sounds a bit naff, but it's just a fucking game at the end of the day. Look, I give my right arm to play at Twickenham, but if you get beaten by a better team, fair play, it's not the end of the world. Um, I think sometimes you can get in that headspace where it's literally all or nothing, and it isn't all or nothing at all. It's a match. It's a game. It doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And I think that definitely happens in you know towards the end of the league. And I think it's true to say as well that you know I think we said this before. In fact, that as a team you find your level. After a couple of seasons playing in, in one league, sometimes it can feel really frustrating that you're not going up because you keep getting beat, you know, or, or losing the playoffs or whatever. 
yeah, you can keep working, keep getting better, and eventually you'll get promoted or whatever. But sometimes it's just good to accept that you found your level, you found the level that you can compete at week in, week out. You've got the squad around you that can handle that sort of standard of play. It's not always the best thing in the world to go up, and it's not always the worst thing in the world to go down. Sometimes going down puts you into a league where you know you, you win more games, your squad is happier, you have fewer fixtures in, in a calendar year. Uh, maybe you're traveling less, right? And all of these things can be really good for your squad rather than it be seeming like the end of the world. You know what I said on a couple of pods ago about your support network? Yeah. No matter the result, if you try your best and you've got the support network to help you and support you and analyze those things and digest it, that's what I think helps you through your rugby career. So we've all been there on the wrong side of the result. We've all been there when we've had a, you know, a rubbish coaching session or a, a session we think didn't go well or we've played and we, we don't feel like it's gone well. The referee, I'm sure, Fiona, you've had loads of games where you think, oh, Jesus Christ, that wasn't my best. If you've got the support network to analyse what you feel could be better and support you, then the next time you do it, you do things right or you do it to a, the best of your ability as long as you've got that sounding board to digest it after, these games, like you said, Matt, it is just a game, but it's something that means a lot to us all. So we've got to make sure that we've got the people around us to say that wasn't your best, but you still got the opportunity and you still did it. And it's about taking part, enjoyment, all the you know the RFU values and all of that. But more than anything, it's about your mates. Yeah. So to go out and lose in a semi-final or to get relegated or to get promoted if you've not got your mates and your support network around you that means fuck yeah. all if you get promoted and you don't like playing rugby on the team you're on it doesn't mean anything to you but to go out and ref a game and have an outstanding performance when you've got people to congratulate you and celebrate you that's what makes it enjoyable Fiona, I mean, there must be times when you've come off the pitch and you feel like you've not had a great game it must be an incredibly lonely place as a ref, is it? Because I'm sure the team that feels hard done by is not about to put their arm around you and say, there, there, never mind. Yeah, no, you're right. And it, it is sometimes really difficult. I got into a, back into my changing room after a game and cried. There have been a number of occasions and it's, and it's because you know I want to do a good job. No one wants to go out there and do a bad job. And, you know, it's much easier to pick out from a game what you've got wrong than maybe what you've got right. That's just a, an innate human quality. It's easier to go, oh, Christ, that wasn't good, rather than, do you know what? That was a really great decision. So, no, absolutely. And what you've you've almost got to take on the fact that the team who's just lost, who isn't very happy with you, have their own set of emotions that have caught up in that. You know, no team loses solely because of the referee. Sometimes the referee is the easiest one to blame in the heat of the moment. And no referee can really pick up a whistle without some realisation that that might happen. And um, what you've got to do is, a bit like Molly said, you've got to have a, a support network. You've got to have a, a mechanism for dealing with it. And um, it's something that I've learnt. So part of you know learning to be a referee and learning your craft and getting better is learning what works for you in in terms of how do you deal with bad games or bad decisions or poor outcomes and and it's something that I've had to learn and, and work through myself and I like to think I've got a fairly good way of dealing with that kind of thing now it's taken a, a really long Drinking time drugs. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. But no, it's it, it, it's more about sort of self reflection, and as you said, it's just a game. And even where you're working in a, in a performance environment, it's still just a game. Yes, there are some people who it's their job, and you have to be aware of that when when you step into that sort of environment. But I try and take the emotion out of it wherever possible. So we as referees, we have processes a bit like it was gutting to watch England lose that World Cup final. And you could strip it back and go, you know, if we hadn't got the red card, or you could strip it back and go, if that last line out had worked, would we have won the World Cup? Well, that line out is a process. So you could strip all the emotion out and go, right, why did we get that line out wrong? Um, And it's the same with refereeing. You strip it back and you go, okay, so I don't think that went very well. What is it about my process that failed? Was it that I didn't know the law? Was it that I was in the wrong position at key moments? Was it that I didn't manage that player well enough and and they became too much of a problem? And strip it back and, and go, okay, so if I can figure out which bit of my process failed, I can figure out how to try and fix it so that it doesn't happen again. And that's trying not to put all the pressure on you and your emotions and your feelings, which can be very difficult and it can be very lonely if that happens. So part of it is fronting up. So I will always go into the clubhouse after a game, regardless of how well or badly I've done, because I think it's important that if I expect 80 minutes of respect and for people to not be allowed to criticise me. I have to give people space to come to me, hopefully when they've calmed down maybe slightly, but to come to me and be able to have an honest conversation about what they were frustrated about. So I think that's a really key and important part of my process so that when I turn up the next time at that club, they don't go, well, not only did she have a shit game, but she just got straight in her car and fucked off. That's not the kind of referee I want to be. Has there been a time where you've ever refed where the result is going to be pinnacle? Where either way, it's a massive decision you make in the choices of how you ref. Is there ever been a time where you feel like you've messed up and after the game you've gone, I shouldn't have made that decision. I've basically ruined it for the team that should have potentially won or I've just let something completely go when I should have penalised that. So I've definitely had games where I sit back and I I can go, do you know what? That was a key moment that I messed up uh, and that made a difference. I'm very grateful and touch wood. It's never been a final. It's never been a really pivotal game for any team, thankfully. Thankfully, the players have, have made the difference rather than me and, and my decisions. A, a game, I was not in the middle, but I was on the touchline for a very pivotal game. That I won't give too many details away, so it's not clear w- what it was, but very, very pivotal game, women's game. On my information, the referee gave a red card that made the game much, much closer than perhaps it would have been. And it ended up being decided with the last kick of the game. So I've been in situations where the decisions have made an impact, but thankfully not mistakes. But I know referees that have, and that's a horrible, horrible situation to be in. And and as you've said, Matt, it's a really lonely place. No one wants to talk to you afterwards. And it's, it's difficult for players to have any sympathy with you. And, and I mean that genuinely. You cannot imagine how that feels. So you have to turn inwards into the sort of referee community to get the sort of support that you need. But yeah, it's horrible. And and the worst thing is when you 
next referee, that team. You know, it can really knock you and it can really affect you. It makes it very easy to hang up your whistle after that. No referee, as I said before, turns up to try and fuck up a game. Well, I hope in that example you gave, Fiona, of that pivotal game where your call meant the game was decided by a kick, I hope you didn't repeat your feats at the Grassroots Festival where you then took the kick and that cost the team the game. I'm looking into taking kicking lessons just in case anything else happens. There's a very definite reason why I'm a referee and not a player. (laughs) I was going to say, Fiona, obviously with the new grassroots festival pending, what do you feel as a referee and kicker you can uh, amend for the next (laughs) festival? Do you think? I'm sure I can drink more pints. I'm sure I can also refrain from trying to drink out of the cup I'm sure I can turn down opportunities to have a kick at goal and I'm aware of your unhappiness with one of the holding on penalties that I gave against <laughs> you so so all, all key elements in my preparation for this one to make sure that uh, I, I'm even better than I was last time you should have just sent me off and to succumb to my advances yeah <laughs> to come to Jesus <laughs> sweet Jesus <laughs> It could be a rough weekend for you this, Fiona. I've got time to prepare. Anyway, Fiona, it's a moment we've all been waiting for. We've just dun, been dun, talking dun. shit for over an hour, waiting for this moment. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna play Jodie's jingle. Here we go. Knock on, knock off. I bet you thought I was putting in post-production, didn't you, Fiona? No. We've got the tech guys here. I'm We're well impressed. I like we it. We've got this one as well. Though. You just need the finger blast in and then you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, what an intro. What a fucking intro. Over to you, Fiona. Oh, I'm not, I can't top that. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, all I'll say before I start this is uh, I drafted this these questions and then I listened to the, the last pod um, and I went back and I redrafted the questions after I heard you call them rules, not laws. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's now considerably harder than it was. No. All right. So that, that's oh. all I'm saying. We'll get started. I've gone through the law book and these are all on the laws of the game. So question one, players cannot wear gloves. Knock on or knock off. Jodie? Are we keeping our own scores? Well, I, I've set it up. I can keep scores here. Uh, I think it's a knock off. Knock off. Okay. Uh, Goose? Knock on. Knock on. All right. Batty? So, so I'm clear. Knock on is they can wear gloves. Knock off is they can't wear gloves. So it's players cannot wear gloves. Is right. that a knock on? I'm going to say that's a knock off. Yeah. yeah. It's a knock off. Okay. And Molly? I'm very confused. Sorry. So just to confirm, as Batty says, you said players cannot wear gloves. Yeah. If we say knock on, that means it's true. If we say knock off, it's false. Yes. Can you explain the type of gloves? Oh, come on, Fandy. No. Rubber gloves. Marigold. Molly, I have lifted this. Knock off. Knock Knock off. off. Knock off. Okay. All right. So it is... A knock-on. So Goose is the only one that's got that right. So it's Law 4, Section (laughs) 4. But you can wear fingerless mittens. No! No! That's that's what I thought! 
That's disgusting. I wasn't expecting oven gloves, was I? Wait, can no, can TMO, TMO. <laughs> hey, this, uh, you can't argue with the laws. Look it up. It's, it's law right into four, my wheelhouse. Section four. <laughs> law four, section four. You cannot wear gloves, but you can wear fingerless mittens. It's like all oh, yeah, the other laws, all oh, yeah, the other laws. <laughs> <laughs> I told so, you, you shouldn't have called them rules. Okay, question two. <laughs> There are more laws in rugby league than in rugby union. Knock on or knock off. So uh, we'll go Molly first this time. Knock off. Knock off. Batty? Knock on. Knock on. Goose? Uh, knock off. Off. And Jody. I'm going to go with Goose. Knock off. Lovely. It is a knockoff. So that's Molly, yes. Jody, and Goose. Man. <laughs> Batty, you suck. Zero. Lou <laughs> <laughs> would have done shit on this as well. Yeah. She would have done so bad. So there are 17 laws in rugby league and there are 21 in rugby union. So my instinct said that, but then I thought that's got to be a trick question. No. Nope. No, it's like, it's like 21, are... but each of them have got about 15 subsections. 21 laws. Yeah, is your office Lovely. Fiona? Is it like in a in a law office where they've got all those leather bound books behind you? When there's a question no. comes up, do you reach back and f- shuffle through <laughs> these like dusty tomes no. to find the right law? No, I'm sure this doesn't feed into your image of it, but um, I've got a, a, I've just got an app. It's the Laws app, so no, sorry about that. Yeah, there's an app. World World Rugby Laws. Goose is like it's free. That's <laughs> great. I say I'm a Laws person. <laughs> Yeah, Batty. I was going to say, Lauren Vipon does it every night before she goes to sleep. It's like foreplay for her, isn't it? Yeah, a bit of an app. We love LV. Yeah, Lauren. Lauren's all about the laws, not the rules. She hates it when we say the rules. Quite yeah. right. There we go. Lovely. All right, question three. So Goose is currently winning. Yes, question three. Quiz. The away team has the right to enforce a change in referee prior to the game starting as long as they inform the organiser at least 60 minutes before the arranged kickoff time. Okay, knock on or knock off. So, Goose. Knock on. Mole. What a bullshit law if it is true. Knock off. <laughs> knock off. 60 Batty. minutes. Knock on. Knock on. Jody. I feel like it's a knock off because she's saying it hard. I reckon it's like really stupid like 65 minutes and you've just taken off five minutes just to be difficult <laughs> knock off Jody, stop buying yourself time where you download knock the up. app and cheat again <laughs> <laughs> well, filibustering in fairness Jody wouldn't find this in the laws app because it's knock off because it's bullshit nah. yes. no. so if the competition organizer can't provide a referee then it's up to the home club and the away team have no say whatsoever so no say whatsoever off. No say whatsoever. They guess. They just get what they're given. All right. So question four. You must allow an opponent who's dived on the ball in open play to regain their feet before you can compete for the ball. Matt, knock off. Jody, knock off. Molly, knock off in between dog box. <laughs> Goose. See, there's some weird rule about this that I, oh, I'm going to say knock off because everyone else has. I'm going to go with peer pressure. Good. Thank it God. It used to be, though, didn't it? Yeah, didn't there it used, used to be to a be. rule? Exactly. Or law, so sorry. It's, 
It's absolute tosh. You, but it's the most. It's the thing that I hear the most at grassroots rugby. Is you've got to get them up, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is a public service announcement to all <laughs> grassroots teams. It's bollocks. Stop saying it. Lovely. So you all get a point for that. But where's the offside line in that situation? Does it matter? So there isn't an offside line because it's open play. So, so you can compete for the play. ball, but you still got to stay on your Absolutely, feet. Absolutely, yeah. So it yeah, yeah. doesn't so matter where you're coming it, from. Nope. As long as the player um, competing for the ball is on their feet um, and is going for the ball, not the player, right. um, they don't have to allow the player on the floor to get up. Um, and in fact, if the player on the floor ha- tries to hang on to the ball, they're liable to be penalised as long as the player competing is on their feet. So if the player dives for the ball, mm-hmm. then they have to release it immediately, right? Pretty much, yeah. If they're not able to get to their feet, it's not their ball. They need to release it to any player who's on their feet. So they have to get to their feet before touching the ball, though? So it would be a really shit penalty to give, wouldn't it? So in reality, no. As long as they're, they've got free airspace, they can pick the ball up and, and then stand up. But no, we'd, we'd rather players were on their feet when they go for the ball. Um, but they're unlikely to be penalised if you know they're the only one within 10 metres of the ball. They could dive on it and then pick it up and then stand up. That would probably be absolutely fine. Awesome. That's really interesting. Who knew knock-on, knock-off could be fun and educational? <laughs> I know. It's usually Who neither. <laughs> <laughs> Question five. A referee can award a scrum for any reason they like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> goose. <laughs> oh, um, oh, the power. Knock-off. Knock-off. Uh, Molly? Knock on. Knock on. Jody. It's like a sub bit law that says depends on the ref. <laughs> you don't get Jody, mitigation. <laughs> it's love gate again. This is bullshit. <laughs> uh, what did you say? Knock off. Knock off. I'm going knock off. Knock off. I'm going to say knock Batty. on. Knock on. Knock on. It is a knock on. What? So. Law 19, Section 1, the referee awards a scrum for any reason not covered in law. So basically for any reason they can think of. So (laughs) dog on the pitch, that's a scrum. (laughs) The SAS parachute into the middle of the pitch, that's a scrum. Jodie's Um, bad flirting, that's a scrum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, that's a scrum. (laughs) Um, So yeah, any... So that's uh, that is a knock on. So that's Matt and Molly getting a point. Well done. Um, Question six. So listen really carefully for this one. If a team is awarded a free kick and opts for a scrum, they win the ball and immediately drop kick a goal. Three points are awarded. Oh, is that is that a knock on or a knock off? Jody, I can repeat it. So a team is awarded a free kick and they opt for a scrum. They win the ball. The eight picks it up, passes it to the 10 who drop kicks the ball and it sails through the posts. Is that three points? Knock off. Oh, knock off. Knock off. All right. Molly? Knock off. Matt? Knock on. Knock on. Goose. Knock on. 
actually making Not notes hard. as I go along here to understand. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a knockoff. Oh, for fuck. So why though? Law eight, section twenty nine. A team awarded a free kick, including where they opt for a scrum or a lineout, cannot score a dropped goal until the ball next becomes dead or until an opponent has played the ball, touched the ball, or has tackled the ball carrier. Any such kick is deemed to be unsuccessful and play continues. So no, you you have to have a phase of play after a free kick before you can drop a goal. How bizarre. Has that ever happened? What happens if you do drop a goal? Do you go to a scrum? <laughs> so uh, that's a good question. Good so if, if it goes through the posts and the ball goes dead, how do you restart? And I'll give a and I'll give an extra point to anybody who can tell me how you restart. Isn't it a five-meter scrum? Twenty lines. So Goose thinks it's a five-meter scrum. Uh, what was that? Twenty-yard goal kick thing for the opposition. <laughs> uh, would you? Is that a twenty-two-meter dropout? <laughs> That's the one. Goal line dropout. Jody thinks it's a twenty-two. Molly, you think it's a goal line dropout? Matt. Any advances on five meter scrum, twenty two, or goal line dropout? Just call a scrum, Fiona. You can do that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is true. So where's the ball gone at this point? The ball's been kicked through the posts, so the ball's now yeah. dead. kicked through the post. The ball's and it's now dead, dead yeah. and it's been kicked dead. So I would say that it's a twenty two meter dropout. Wonderful. Well, Jody and Batty get an extra point. No. <laughs> what? I don't like this game anymore. Scope. You remember you got to think about the process. Let's go back to the process. pie and bread and butter pudding. <laughs> Louis yeah, and random uh, teams in Fiji that nobody can pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. So currently, Molly is winning. Oh, my God. Oh, surprise. No, I'm gone. I'm gone. She's doing the fucking I'm ref Laura course. By the system. No, <laughs> You're I'm, Laura right, I'm not going to lie. The ref course is great, but they don't teach you any of the laws in the ref course. <laughs> that is true. They that teach is true. you how to ref a game fairly and encourage enjoyment. That's what they okay. <laughs> That's what I learned. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Question seven to this penultimate question. If a referee is unsure which team grounded the ball in in goal, Play restarts with a goal line dropout. Goose. I've given up all hope now. Um, <laughs> knock off. Knock off. Jody. I want to say knock off, but I don't think, I think you've been sly again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, you can, but you can also Me? do this, 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 and Me? this. Never. <laughs> knock off. Knock off. Ollie, knock off. Yeah, I'm going to say knock off as well. Wonderful, you all get a point. Yay. So, if there is doubt about which team first grounded the ball in in goal, players restarted with a five meter scrum. So that's Law Twenty One, Section Seventeen. And is it to put into the team that was last in possession? So it's it's an attacking five meter scrum, right? Otherwise, it'd be Wonderful. yeah. Yeah, it would change the process then, wouldn't it? Currently, Molly is leading, but Jody could tie it. Oh, come on, Jody. <laughs> so, last question. Question eight. You can score a try by touching the referee with the ball in in goal. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Anywhere on the body, like slam it into your face. So we'll do Molly and Jody last. So let's go Batty. Oh, my God. Batty, we've got the power to fuck them over now. I'm going to say... Yeah, come on. It's the end of the season. Fuck us over. I'm going to (laughs) say... Knock off. No, knock Knock on. Knock on, knock on. Knock on? Okay. Goose? Knock on. Okay. Molly? Oh, God. Uh, Because it doesn't say where they're going to touch the ref. So if they touch them in the air, technically it's nowhere near the try line, is it? I'm going to go knock off. Knock off. Jody? Mm, I wanted knock off, but I'm going to have to go knock on now, aren't I? For any chance of winning. Okay. For a tie. For a tie. Tie. No win. Tie. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So the winner of knock on, knock off (laughs) is a tie. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Fucking devastated. I should have gone with my gut. So, yeah, it is possible. So, uh, law six, section 11 or section 12, if a ball carrier touches the referee or other non-player in <laughs> goal and either team gains an advantage, if the ball is in possession of the attacking player, the referee awards a try. So, if I, if I go over the try line and I tap you on the head with the ball, it's a try? Yes. Technically, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> How can we do that? Grassroots. Can we please do that at the Grassroots yeah. Festival, right? If there's like a literally a breakaway <laughs> try, so there's no real competition. You think any non-player, so we can just get a supporter on the fucking try yes. line, just stood there. Yep. Yep. We're a dog. 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 Any non-player that includes a dog, babe. Do you know this? This is going to be our Italy moment. You know, in Italy, we like weren't offside at the rook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be our Italy laws, moment. Laws, Jody. Jody getting a yellow card at the Grassroots Festival oh. for that. <laughs> no, the, this has been an eye opener. This has been an eye opener. An eye opener. Well, I want to be clear on that last one. And, and here's a genuine warning if you try it, you have to hope that the referee knows that very, 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 very niche law. <laughs> What's the number of the law again? Basically, don't bother. Make a note of it. Law 21, section 11, 12? No, it's law 6, 12. No? Law 6, section 11. I'm going to write it on the back of my hand. I'm not going to lie. That's like quoting a section 18 offence to a criminal. They don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> they're going to give it. Like, they, they, oh, sorry, you just committed burglary there, guys. You know? <laughs> You've just stepped over the threshold of someone else's dwelling. That's a burglary. They ain't going to give a shit. There's no way the ref's going to be like, yeah, that's fine, you can have a try. I'll be like, who's this dickhead that's been studying the laws? Then it's not going to happen. What you need, Molly, is someone, someone to run on with the app and be like, look, it's here, it's on the app, the laws app says... Well, print it out, print it out, put it yes. in your back. You'll get a red card. <laughs> We're ahead of the opposition to wait for the ref to come over the line just so we can try on them. I just pull out a laminated <laughs> copy of the law and say, well, as you can clearly see here, this is taken as a screen grab from the app. <laughs> like, it states yeah. very plainly this is a try. Guys. Love it. Fiona, that was an absolute delight, as always. I so loved it. You can have education. There you go. Thank right. you very much. It was it was a real pleasure to be on and, and to do it. Thank you for having me. No problem. I'm pissed we get you off. Back every week? <laughs> I can't believe we drew. You're pissed <laughs> off. I got my loss. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
This is Molly's grassroots salute. Right, really quickly then, grassroots salute. Jodie, you have one, I think. I was just looking at the Instagram that we have, and it is amazing. Not to brag about us, but we do really well on Instagram. Keep people up to date with what games we have going. And during games, we have step-by-step updates on the scores so people know what's going on and if anyone goes oh how's the game going just look at the instagram it's all on there and that's a big grassroots salute to annabelle our basically media creator yes. and a massive grassroots salute to anyone else out there who has someone on their team who is dedicated to the instagram that make them look like a professional it is a thankless job and they're committed to it she comes to every game without fail and she's there on the sideline she's practically the 16th player on the team. She is amazing, without doubt. Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, another round of applause there, Annabelle. And definitely an extension to all of the the social media people, because I expect some of the people that are doing this are either injured players or players that for some reason or another aren't uh, available for selection. So I know in most situations, you'd rather be on the pitch playing, but you're doing these little jobs to help your teams out, which is uh, absolutely fabulous. So well done. Thank you. So that takes us to the end of the show. So again, Fiona, massive thanks. And we can't wait to see you again at the Grassroots Festival. Um, obviously, you were at the last one. So anyone listening that thinks they might want to come along to Avonmouth on the 19th of August, what advice would you give them? Don't hesitate. Definitely do it. But um, make sure that you are not sleeping in the same house as the Grassroots pod crew. <laughs> Sherry, you mean. That sounded nice. and I wasn't going to single anybody out. <laughs> Is Sherry attending? Is she coming in our... Uh, or oh, not coming, sorry. Is Sherry attending our... Uh... I factored her in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when she, I found the house, I, I factored Sherry in. She, she needs some convincing because it's she gets a nosebleed if she goes too far outside of the crew. So I spoke to her on Saturday and she's up for it, albeit cross with me because I didn't arrange it in Sandbatch. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see her. Anyway, oh. last week we tried to do a little dismount from the pod in style but fell miserably. So thanks for listening. See you soon, bitches. Thanks for listening to episode 10. We hope it didn't ruin your day. Don't forget the Grassroots Festival at Avonmouth Clare's Ladies on August the 19th. Ticketing information will be out shortly. If you want to play for the Mighty Nomads, get in touch at grassrootswomen at hotmail.com. There's an inevitable conclusion to this. A brilliant finish. This is Grassroots, women's rugby from the roots up.